Welcome to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. Ross Brannan is a financial advisor who knows it's not just about your teeth. He helps dental practice owners protect and maximize today's cash flow to plan for tomorrow's cash needs. Find him at rossbrannan.com. On the show, he brings together experts to help dental professionals looking to make smart money decisions to grow their income, turn their retirement goals into reality, and improve their lives. And now, here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Sherry Jolly. Sherry is the founder of Dental Support Essentials, a team of administrators designed to assist dental practices in a variety of ways, from patient insurance verification to collecting outstanding invoices. She has a ton of experience in the dental industry and in management, which has culminated in the success that DSC enjoys today. Sherry, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Nice to be here. Sure thing. So let's just kind of jump right in. Tell our listeners a little bit about about your background and how Dental Support Essentials came to be. Okay. Well, my background is I started my first what I call adult job in dentistry. I, you know, as a teenager, I worked in food service and my first adult job, I, I got hired at the front desk at a dentist office. And that was way back in 1995. <laughs> and from then, I've worked in many aspects of the dental office, but in, you know, a little bit later in life, not the traditional path, I did go back to college, finish a degree and came back to dentistry in the ter- in management. And I started working in management. What I found there is an increasing number of hours it takes to get paid the same amount of money. The more patients that had insurance and the more plans that there were, the longer it took to get paid what we were getting paid the year before the year after. And so it kind of culminated to a decision point about five years ago where I was a practice manager and I was choosing every day, do I manage this practice or do I manage the accounts receivable? Because both of them were full-time jobs. And so every day I had to choose which job I was going to do, but I couldn't get the doctor to justify financially hiring a second person to do the billing because we weren't going to get paid more money. We were just going to get paid the same amount of money. And that has to do with the complication of insurance adding. It it is completely, I've been through the changes, all the changes in the last 20 years. And so that's kind of how the idea of what I do was born. And from there, we just started um, basically an outsourcing service where we go in, we fix the accounts receivables, and then we fill in the gaps to keep the systems running without making the doctor have to pay too much more extra in overhead. All right. So that's a great lead in. So tell me specifically, what is Dental Support Essentials and what services do you offer your clients? Well, we are considered an outsourced accounts receivable company. And so The most common way that clients come to us is they have an accounts receivable problem that needs cleaned up. So we'll go in there, um, we'll look at their systems, we'll clean it up, we'll find the money or we'll tell them what's not collectible. That's always a hard conversation to have. And then we will help them fix their systems. Many of them stay with us and let us do the day-to-day work that's time-consuming. We can replace a staff member and many of them stay with us that way. 
but we also provide training for the ones who don't stay with us. We have online classes on how to be a biller, and we just basically try to make their practice run without necessarily adding three or four employees because for having an account with us, it might replace one and a half to two of your employees and it won't cost you one and a half to two employees. Interesting. So very, very much an economies of scale there. What percentage mm-hmm. of people keep you full time and what percentage replace you with a staff member? Most of us, keep, most of them keep us full time. I would say 95%. And there's a small percent that replace us with a staff member in our back in a year. Wow. So you do accounts receivable. That's your main thing, but you, you do lots of other admin services as well. What else do you do? We have a call center. So we take incoming calls, schedule appointments, things like that. Um, we do management services on a smaller scale. Um, I have one practice that's here local to me where I interview their staff and do their HR work. So we, we have that we have that going on. So sort of a la carte services that you may get from a DSO, you can get from us without necessarily signing up with a DSO. Oh, wow. So what are the, of these services that you offer, which ones do the, your clients struggle with the most or, or which ones do they need the most? The ones they need the most is insurance verification and basically system diagnosis. I don't know how else to say that, except that almost every time there's a problem with the cash flow and the accounts receivable, there's a broken process somewhere in their office. It could be something as simple as you've got somebody who refuses to use the software to its full ability or can't to uh, the software is just not working. So it, it could be one of many things like that. So a lot of times it's fixing their systems. Almost actually, there has not been a time where I took on a client and cleaned it up where it didn't require training in their office to keep it running correctly. So almost every time we have to go in there and correct a system on their side. You know, we were talking offline how basically uh, one of the things you do is you help Dennis get their books uh, in a place where a bookkeeper can actually read them or, or, mm-hmm. or evaluate them, actually do the bookkeeping. Uh, talk about that for a minute and, and what you've seen from dentists and their bookkeeping practices. Well, first of all, I, I, it's very clear that dentists, for the most part, have never used QuickBooks. Uh, they have never done bookkeeping before they owned a business, and they may or may not have ever balanced a checkbook. That, like some of them, I don't think ever have. I, so I think that, just just a quick side. I think with the advent of smartphone banking, that balancing a checkbook almost feels like it's something from an age long ago. And so <laughs> few people use checks that I don't think I, I don't. Th- I, I bet the amount of millennials who balance a checkbook is like one percent. That's true, but there has to be a replacement procedure for that yes, where you compare. Absolutely. You compare your practice management software with your bank account. And um, a lot of them don't. They don't compare the practice management software to the bank account. They don't know their break-even number of what it costs to run this practice every day because they're in the growth mindset. They have to spend the money. They borrow the money. And then they just have to get patients in the chair and do the dentistry. And they think the money will just fall into their account. But what they leave off is you can get the patients in the chair and you can do the dentistry. But if you skip 
a couple of admin steps, you aren't getting paid for it. Well, talk and, about the uh, talk about the you, you told me offline about the million dollar issue. Yes. So I had a, a client who told me he was not paid by a million dollars. He he ran a report in his software that said he had a million dollars in outstanding claims, but he wasn't broke and he wasn't not paying his bills. And what turned out is that he was completely understaffed and no one was recording the payments into his practice management software. So he wasn't owed a million dollars. It was in his bank account. Nobody had put it in his practice management software. So the two didn't match. So I hate those conversations because the doctor thinks that I'm going to come in there and work and he's going to get a million more dollars or many times is more like 40 or $50,000, but it wasn't even close to that. It was more about spending. I think it took us two months of work that doesn't, didn't result in revenue. But work that, that had to be done. It's work that had to be done, but it didn't result in revenue. And there are so many times that when they skip these real important steps at the beginning, they end up paying for work that doesn't result in revenue. And I feel like if you have your systems in place, your work will result in revenue. <laughs> I like to say that cash flow is a foundation of personal business finances. And you know, it's and you have to be able to track it. And what you're dealing with is you're tracking. It's almost like you're the guys putting the concrete blocks down, playing, uh, putting the footers down on a construction project. And the dentist just wants to put the studs up and he hasn't really paid attention to the, uh, to the, uh, to the, the footers and the, and the foundation. That may be a bad example, but I think you know what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's true because some of these steps seem very, they seem like very entry level. They're also boring and tedious tasks, but if you miss them, not only do you miss revenue, but you are set up to be embezzled from. Well, how many times have you seen Oh, how many times you walked into a situation and you're like, oh yeah, that ex-employee stole this much money from you? Or by the way, do you know your current person is stealing from you? How often does that happen? Well, I have seen a few situations where um, I either had to quit working for the doctor because of the practices that were going on, or somebody quit the minute I started asking questions. And I just recently this year, I would say about every four or five clients, there's something funky in their books. And so when we start asking about a claim that's been paid and we say, okay, who did you pay it to? And was the check cashed? And then we go back to the doctor and say, okay, we've got these five claims reported paid. And I need to know if you cash the check because somebody cashed these checks three weeks ago. Now the doctor has to go and look. They have no idea where or how to look, but it opened their eyes. So that's just kind of that's one of those things. I would say, I, I believe the statistic is 70% of all dentists report embezzlement um, in their career. And I believe the number's higher than that. Wow. I think they've all been stolen from, actually, because the systems are so broken and so open and the doctors are not trained to look at this stuff. And there's just too many times. And if your hands are not clean as a dentist, I guarantee you, that your your employees are doing bad stuff too. Because I've seen that too. When the dentist isn't doing the right thing, the employees are doing even more things. <laughs> They're just oh, wow. piling on. So what would you say that an administrative issue that dentists don't often realize they should be paying attention to, they should be paying more attention to? 
Well, it's simple data entry. So one of the courses that I teach is five reasons why your claims are not paid. All five of them are data entry issues, except for insurance verification. So many times an unpaid claim is a result of the claim never actually making it to the insurance company. So we have lots of high-tech software that a lot of us don't understand. And what happens is it filters out claims with bad information on them or missing fields. And if we didn't put the information correctly in the system to start with, the claim never made it to the insurance company. And there's so many times when we do a cleanup job where the claim never made it to the insurance company. You hit send, it went through the electronic process, but it was kicked back to you and they didn't even know. So if you walk into a situation, and because many times you get referred by CPAs who's who's basically the, the, the dentist is a train wreck from a bookkeeping standpoint. So, hey, Sherry, come save this guy. So save this person so we can uh, keep them as a, an accounting client. When you go in on average, when you clean these books up, how much money are you saving them or how much money or, or uncollected money are you recovering or how much cost savings are you creating? Talk about the value that you're adding to these people. So I like to get them into a 96% collection rate and I like it so that they only have two weeks outstanding production waiting to be paid. For some people, that's a huge windfall of money in the first four months of us our work. And for well, other let, people, let, let me stop right there. What is the average dentist collection rate? Well, I'll tell you the average of my new clients collection okay. rate. Okay. Yeah, um, my new clients are collecting 80 to 70 to 80%, and they should be collecting at least 96% or higher. Okay. So um, I'm not a math major. <laughs> let's, assume, let's assume we're doing a million dollars of collections or revenue. Mm -hmm. That is 16 to 26 percent of a mm -hmm. million dollars is 160 to 260 thousand dollars. Yes. I don't know what your rates are, but I'm sure that I'm sure there's some value there for them to, uh, in that scenario. Well, absolutely. The, the, there's a lot of value in that. <laughs> there's a lot of value. As a matter of fact, that's kind of why I invented well, I didn't 100% invent it. I, I took the process that existed and perfected it in my mind. I perfected it. But the point of this is that I, I took it so that their overhead doesn't continue to go up, but their collections does. And that is where we, that is where instead of needing three people at your front desk, you only need one because you've got us in the background and we don't cost as much as two full-time employees. So, so it's, inter it's interesting. I always say that expenses rise to meet income on a personal mm -hmm. level, but it also happens on a corporate level as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it very much lasts on a corporate level. So, you know, you're, you're working with these people, you're keeping overhead down because your company can do the job of two people easily for, mm -hmm. the, for a fraction of the price. You're increasing their collections by mm -hmm. obviously your stats, 16 to 26%. You know, I guess the question is, what percentage of these, these dentists aren't, in your mind, what, and maybe you, it's a skewed statistic for you because you're only dealing with people who are in bad shape, but how, what percentage of dentists need help with their books? I would say that if, I say it depends on their accountant and how much they listen to their accountant. Uh, because the ones with good accountants, their accountant has told them these numbers don't look right or I, I can't make sense of this. 
if they don't have a accountant with specific knowledge of dentistry, then they're not, their accountant's not looking out for them. Their accountant's not telling them if they just went to a regular CPA, they, they actually, it, it pays. It really does pay off to pay more for the specific dental focused accountant, because those are the guys who are going to say, these numbers don't look right. These numbers don't look right. Call Sherry or there, you know, there's more than one person like me that does what I do. So the whatever percentage exists out there of dentists who are not using dental specific accounting practices or following the advice of someone like that, those are the ones who are not probably getting what they need. So, you know, I hear all this and it's just absolutely, uh, it's absolutely fascinating to me how all this just plays, you know, in, in the dental world. Do you see certain practices that need your help more than others. So like, does a more established practice need you more or does a younger practice need you more? Does a solo physician or doctor dentist practice need you more? Or does a partner, a practice with two or three partners need you more? Which one do you think needs you most? Well, the pandemic changed that. (laughs) But basically when you need us is when your staff is telling us, please hire more people or they're starting to show signs of burnout and they're telling you, you don't pay me enough to put up with this crap. When you start hearing that, that's when it's time to to help us, for us to help you. Because usually what happens is you have, most practices have a jack of all trades who's good at it. And most of the best people at the front desk like that have never been trained. They had to figure it out all the, on their own. And um, that person leaves, goes on vacation, has a baby, or gets burned out. And then the doctor is in a world of hurt. It could be a group practice. Many times we find a really great place in a group practice because they can centralize their billing and they don't have to have, they don't have to duplicate for each practice. They can kind of centralize their management and we're part of that. So we we fill a really great void there. But with the individual doctors, it's when your staff starts demanding more money, more staff or more hours that they're usually not doing that just to hold you up. Like uh, they're not holding you hostage. They really are going to leave if you don't help them manage the stress of what's going on. And usually the workload's too big. Besides a good team like DSC, in your experience, who else should a dentist rely upon to make sure they're saving as much money as possible? Well, I believe that it's really great for them to, number one, rely on good software, don't skimp on software because there's some software out there that makes life heaven. And then there's software out there that I will charge you extra money if you have it. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) like if you have that software, you're not going to take you or you're going to have to pay extra. So there's that. And then there are, the other thing is you need to really count on your team as far as purchasing. Supply cost has gone up crazy. Just a box of gloves, what a box of gloves costs now in 2021 versus what a box of gloves costs in 2019 is quadrupled. So I think that it's really important to rely on those purchasing groups to get safety and numbers. So that's another great resource. There's a lot of independent doctors who can join a purchasing group and get a discount on their overhead that way. That's great. It's a fantastic idea. So Last couple of questions here as we're getting close to the end. What does the phrase financial health mean to you? 
as someone who basically diagnoses financial problems in people, what do you, what do you call financial health? Well, I call financial health the ability to solve a problem, not being able to be overwhelmed. The world's going to throw us more curveballs. The number of rapid changes that I've seen in the last two years basically equals the number of rapid changes that I've seen in the last 19 years. And the ones who made it were the ones who were paying attention to systems. They had a cushion and they didn't have to panic. So problems are going to occur. Crises are going to occur. Equipment's going to break. And if you don't have the room to sit back and think about a problem before you solve it, and that's the financial cushion, that savings, that um, not, you know, not having tons of debt. Those are the things that are financial health to me. That it's, it's the luxury of being able to think about it. Well, it's so interesting you say that. And then what you do, it's like all these dentists today are, or many dentists are selling to private equity because that's what the industry is doing. And I was talking to a guy two weeks ago. He's had four offers and every single offer started at one number and then got cut 50%. It's because his books are a disaster. And so it's people like you who are going to help maximize the value for 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 an office selling to a DSO. If that's the road they want to go down, they got to get this stuff straight because these DSOs aren't dumb. No, they're not dumb. And and to be quite honest, I've I've, uh, consulted on more than one buyer seller dispute where the numbers didn't add up the numbers because they just never had tight financial practices. And those are usually the ones where I'll just bill you, we barter, this is so-and-so's niece. And that's great. You can make a living that way. Um, But if you're trying to sell your practice later, you you can't sell that system to someone else. They have to start over. It's the equivalent of buying a house, keeping it for 20 years and never remodeling the kitchen, never updating the bathrooms and never painting anything. Right. It doesn't meet it does it's not worth as much to the buyer as it does to you in that it's only sentimental value then. Gotcha. So, Sherry, what would you say the best advice you've ever received was? The best advice I've ever received is don't take it personally. You will take some blows. I have as a business owner, all business owners, I mean, it, it takes a lot of chutzpah to get in the ring a little bit and fight it out as a business owner and carry the weight of other people's salaries and other people's families. So when you get a blow, it's very easy to me to take it personally, like it was a personal attack when most of the time it's just business and don't take it personally and just shake it off and move on to the next round because there's another round coming. Uh, I'm a big reader. Have you read any good books lately? Yeah, I actually just finished one. Um, it was called Entree Leadership. It was a, just a Dave Ramsey book. I just like to read what these financial advisors are saying. They they all kind of say something different, but I liked that one for the most part. <laughs> well, good, good. So where can listeners go if they want to connect with you? How can they reach you? So we have a website called dscpractice.com, and that's the easiest way to reach us. You can also, um, there's a phone number on that website as well. You can call us. So any of any of that, but dscpractice.com. Well, that's fantastic. I, I just love the idea of people calling you and saving or increasing their collections from 
70, 80% to 96%. So that's, that's a good thing all the way around. That's a win, win, win all the way around. Well, absolutely. Sherry, it's been fantastic talking to you today. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Uh, well, thank you for having me. It's, it's great to uh, participate in things like this. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Financial Flossing Podcast with Ross Brennan. We'll see you next time. This has been another episode of Financial Flossing with Ross Brannan, guiding dental professionals to a brighter future. If you liked what you heard, consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. For more on Ross Brannan, visit rossbrannan.com. Registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0L10073. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1613932. 2021 1195.35. Expires 423. That last part can also say 2021 119535. Expiration, April 2023. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664, Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Security products and advisory services offered through PAS member FINRA SIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of, of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16. 16- 6139032, California Insurance License Number 0L10073, 2021-127308, Expiration 0923. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.